Well, great words to transition us from uh, time here at the table into looking at God's Word today. Uh, I want us to, the next three weeks, as uh, we start together, I want to bring you some life lessons uh, from the book of 2 Timothy. You know, 2 Timothy is Paul's last book. He's writing to his young disciple that uh, in the book of Acts, I believe we see where he meets Timothy. It's in Lystra where he is stoned and left for dead. And the church there in that community comes out to look at him. And I believe uh, that's where Paul begins his relationship with this young man. And so looking at the book of 2 Timothy... I believe we find some of the deepest thought, some of the deepest perspective that Paul's got on how to live. And because of where it is in his life, he's, he's been condemned for execution. He, in fact, he says, I'm gonna, I don't know when, but it's coming. And so we, we get his instruction to Timothy on what to do as Paul leaves. And so as we think together, and so what a great way to start this morning. I mean, you all identifying that you as the body of Christ in Emporia, you as the church here in Emporia, you've been serving the community around, members of one another, the com community beyond here. I think that Paul's got some words for all of us as we think about what next steps would be in that ministry. And so... I'm going to do something that I've done, I do a lot, but I'm going to try to do it with you each week. Today's new technology, when I'm going to say get your Bibles, uh, some of you are going to get your iPhone, some of you may have an iPad, some of you ha may have your Bible that you bring, but what I want to do is symbolically I want us to honor God's Word together. And so to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand, and today we're going to read the passage together. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 15 down through chapter 2 verse 1 and so yeah hopefully the words are big enough so I'd like to ask you all to stand and let me lead us as we read this passage together so you just read with me okay so here's what God's word says you are aware that all who were in Asia turned away from me among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for often he refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You, therefore, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you tell us that your grace is our strengthening support. May your spirit have freedom among us today to speak to our hearts where we live. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You all be seated. Well, I've not mentioned something that's a reality today, and that is today is Mother's Day. And yesterday, uh, Priscilla and I, we've got a daughter who's 11 time zones ahead of us. And so last night, Priscilla was writing to Jenny and letting her know some Mother's Day wishes for Jenny as she's taking care of her four children. 
And I've tried to, to be good to Priscilla to remind her of my appreciation for her as a mother. But some of you may be like me. My mother's gone. My mother uh, had a serious stroke and was never the same when I was a, uh, a senior in high school. I didn't have the wisdom to say thank you to my mother at that time. In fact, I was living in rebellion with my family. I, my mother was trying to get me to understand what it is to know the Lord personally, but I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so as my mother transitioned into a whole new chapter, I never got the opportunity to say thank you to her in a way that she would understood because she, after having a stroke, lived in a care home the rest of her life, so the rest of her life and was really never the same. There could be some of you like that. There could be some here today that Mother's Day is not a real happy day for you because either you're looking forward to it or now that you're in it, it may not be a, a good event for you or they're just all the different dynamics that go on in our complicated lives as a community of people. But I believe part of what Paul has to say today fits right where all of us are in the book of 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 1. You know, what's interesting is for years, I have, uh, I've known 2 Timothy 2.2. I became a Christian at Kansas State when I was a freshman in college. On January 22nd, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon in Moore Hall 303, I had heard the good news of Jesus for the first time to make sense. I went back to my dorm room, and by myself right there, I came to know the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I agree with you. I know, I know, I am very far away from what you want. And I have experienced what it is to be separated, but I really want to trust you what you said. If, if what you said that Jesus gave his life for me, and if I need to respond to that today, I'm doing that. And so in that very beginning relationship I had with the Lord, 2 Timothy 2.2 became a solid verse. And by the way, that's next week, not this week. But 2 Timothy 2.2 has 2 Timothy 2.1 right before it. And so I've been teaching on this for years. In fact, I very clearly remember Lusaka, Zambia, 1980. I'm over there on a mission trip with a bunch of college kids, and I get to be in Matero Baptist Church with uh, Reuben and Kata. And Reuben said, John, I want, you to bring, I want you to bring a message. And so I said, great. I love 2 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I preached 2 Timothy 2.1 different than I'm going to share it today because I started in 2 Timothy 2.1. Well, guess what? When Paul writes out of his heart to Timothy, he doesn't start in 2, chapter 2, verse 1. He begins at the beginning of the letter. And, and all those words that he's got in chapter 1 get us to chapter 2, verse 1, and I not connected the dots. And so today, I want to I help us connect the dots between chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now, last week, you all trusted me with announcements. This week's a big deal. You're trusting me with uh, time up here to do this. But last week, I talked about the Le Global Leadership Summit that's coming up in Wichita in the month of August. And I, I really enjoy learning about or trying to discover how to better be a servant leader and this passage today and the next two weeks, I believe we can apply some leadership insight to the book of 2 Timothy. So I want to point you to a book. It's called Leadership is an Art by Max Dupree. It's a bit older, but in this book, here's how Dupree defines leadership. Dupree says that leadership, the first responsibility of a leader 
is to define reality. Now, folks, this morning, in a few minutes, as we look through this, I believe we get the gift of watching Paul define the reality in which he's found. And to think about, you've got someone who's been sentenced for execution. He's facing execution soon. And he wants to define how he's looking at that. I think we've got a great resource to look at. And so the first task of a leader is to define reality. The trouble is, there's all kinds of leaders that want to define reality all sorts of ways. And so for us to take God's word and for this to help us discover how God looks at reality, I think this is our great resource. The second thing a leader does is the last is to say thank you. And I'm going to end my, our time together this morning in God's word just by reminding us that's what we need to be doing. We need to be people who are thankful people, first of all, thankful to the Lord, but then thankful to those around us that uh, demonstrate God's grace. And then finally, in between that defining reality and saying thank you at the last, a leader is a servant and a debtor. Now, if you all agree with me, now you don't have to, But I think as we look and see what Paul's trying to say to Timothy, he's living out what it is to be a debtor. You see, Paul got something. Paul received insight from the Lord. He had the Holy... This is the Hebrew of the Hebrews. This is the the leader in the Jewish world who, on the road to Damascus, comes to know Christ personally, totally transforms his life. He looks at reality completely different than all those years he was a student of Gamaliel, a student in the Jewish context, and we get to see him being a debtor. He has something he wants to give away. And church family, one more time, I want to say thank you for what I saw. You standing up, you're living that out. You're giving away what you've been given, whether it's time, attention, prayer, coming alongside of other people. And I just want to encourage us as a family that that's what God wants us to do. So let's look at the text. We start in chapter 1, verse 15, and I want to call it, Paul states the facts. And notice where he starts. The first words he says, you are aware. He's going to end the last verse in chapter 1 where he says, and you remember, you were you're, you're aware, you know of this, these things. Church family, I want you to know that while I live 60 miles away, we, we, we know how far it is, I know how long it takes to get from my house on 2912 Green Ridge Street in Topeka to get here, I wish I was closer because I would be more aware of the world you all live in. I'm trying to get to know you. But let me just assure you, That every one of us in this room are involved in relationships and activities of life. And we, as a body of Christ, begin to get to know one another. And the stories that God's weaving and knitting in this group of people. And that's where Paul starts. He says, Timothy, you know what I'm getting ready to tell you. You're aware of the fact that everyone, everyone from Asia has departed. And two of those dudes, Phagellus and Hermogenes, you know those guys, and they've backed out. 
Now, I don't know about you, church family, but let me just say, my guess is that maybe going on in the community of faith, there could be some people that are remembering bad things. Bad things happen to good people. Paul's chained up in prison, and he's remembering the fact that guys that he was hoping were going to be with him. Now, let's just stop and think about what that with him means. With him for Paul means you could be executed for being lined up with this guy. Uh, It's a bit costly to be a Christian in Rome at this time, and uh, Paul's just remembering that all the guys from Asia have jumped ship and ran. But, so we start with the facts, and he says, Timothy, you're aware of that. And you know what tempting is? It's so tempting to live in the world of self-pity, to live in the world where it doesn't fit the way you want it, It, to live in the world where your expectations are not met, to live there. Well, Paul's there, and he says, by the way, Timothy, you know it. You know that I'm not lying to you. These two guys that you and I both know, they've jumped ship and ran. But family, I want you to know he doesn't stop there because there's a next verse. And the next verse is verse 16. And it could say, but, by the way, I'm using the ESV, the English standard version. Uh, It's the one that I've had for a number of years since we came home for Africa. There's lots of different translations out there, and I'm really happy for them. And, but this is the one that I've got up on the screen. So back to, he says, Timothy, may, but may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly, and he found me. And may the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered in Ephesus. Now, you got over here on that first verse, you've got Timothy, I mean, Paul stating the facts to Timothy about the two guys that have left. But then in one verse, he goes over here, and by the way, this guy's an Asian. Asia today is the country of Turkey. The city of Ephesus is a city in Asia, and Timothy knows Onesiphorus. Paul says, and you well remember, you well know the way that this Asian has served us here. So what, what we have an example of is Paul being caught in the reality of what's not the way he wanted it. But Paul, in one verse, going to realize that God is at work in the lives of people around me. And he said, may the Lord bless this guy. Well, what has he done? Well, first of all, he searched for him. We don't know the story. I can't wait, by the way. I'm looking forward to heaven because here's what I think heaven's going to be. We're going to get a live... I mean, if we think... 3D, we think video's great, the new HD video's good. Wait till we get to heaven and we get to watch this thing in real time. I don't know how the Lord's going to do it, but I think we're going to get to go back and we get to see what Onesiphorus did. We're going to meet the guy and we're going to get to discover what he did to leave from wherever he was, maybe Ephesus, and he came to Rome and he searched earnestly. He looked for Paul until he found him. Church family, I want you to know that some of you are doing that right now. You're pouring your lives out for other people time and time and time and time and time again. 
this morning, I, I just, I enjoy getting to know who you are, and I learned if there's a missionary right here in Emporia that's got a home and a, the way that they're ministering to women in trouble and trying to take care of men in this city. I, I just want to embrace, I want to, I want to celebrate that. And that's exactly what Onesiphorus was doing, is pouring his life out looking for Paul. And Paul says, and that, and that, my friend Timothy, that refreshed me. As we live our lives, don't miss the whole story. It's so easy to get caught up in that self-pity, that verse 15, where it's true. He's, he didn't make it up. They really have left him. But don't forget verse 16, 17, and 18. He gives three verses to the good. He gives one verse to the negative, And the three verses to the good, he says, and oh, by the way, here's what this guy did for me. Now, y'all, that, that's the background of 2 Timothy 2.1. Because let's look and see what Paul goes on to say. He says in 2 Timothy 2.1, you therefore. Now, I, I'm assuming most of us have been around Bible study long enough that you know when you find a therefore, you go before to discover what the therefore is there for. Well, I just told you what the therefore is there for. It's the remembrance, it's the reality of what Paul's doing. You see, the, Paul is defining reality. He says, God has worked in the heart of a man named Onesiphorus in such a way, he, under the threat of death, and some, some theologians, some guys that write commentaries, think that he's already dead. That the way Paul writes that, that it's in memory of his life. It may have cost him his life to come look for Paul and take care of him. And so all of that memory, that's the therefore. And so he says, you, therefore, my child. Now, I want you to know that there's really good in this church. There's a lot of good. I'm looking for it to get discovering it. But here's part of the good. That you all are a healthy by oh, Al Earhart. You know, I know Al. I've known Pastor Al for a number of years. But where I think he's done well is that in this room today, my type is not the majority, okay? It, it took me a while to get here. But uh, there's some other folks in this room that are a long way behind me. In other words, this church is filled with both the older folks that have known the Lord for years and some of you that are just getting started. And I want you to know that is Paul's heart. And for him to write to Timothy and use a term, child, believe me, that's not disrespectful. He's saying, friend, co-laborer, uh, one on the journey with me. And I think that is very, very healthy church, where we work together as the whole body of Christ, reflecting all the ages, all the different places we are in life. And Paul just says, and so there, you, therefore, my child, be strengthened. Now, all of that that I've said before gets me to this word, these two words here, be strengthened. How many of your Bibles, now be honest with me, you look in your Bible. How many of your Bibles say, be strong? Oh, Jordo, you've got to be, not as many, okay, those of you who look. My Bible, I, I used to, I still do. Read the New International, a great version. Doesn't NIV say be strong? 
I know NASB says be strong. New American Standard says be strong. Now, I'm not an English major. But I want you to know I had a really, really good friend in Hoxie, Kansas, where I grew up. He was my junior high school English teacher. And Benny Roselle, who was from the Philippines, did me a favor. Benny Roselle taught me the difference between an active verb and a passive verb. And this verb is a passive verb. That's why the best way in English to translate this verb is to be strengthened. Don't be strong. You see, when I was in Matero Baptist Church, and I told you, I've shared this, I used a great illustration of being strong because they just built their church building. And I said, some of you men in this church have been really strong. You've been picking up all those blocks, and you've built this brick building that's all around us here, and I want to thank you for being strong. Well, guess what? I hadn't done my Bible study. I hadn't seen verse chapter 1, starting in verse 15, to see what Paul is talking about of not being strong in grace, it's to be strengthened by grace. So here's what I think Paul's trying to help us understand. Folks, God is around every one of us showing His grace through people, through His Word, through the gift of His Holy Spirit to speak to us, to strengthen us in Him. You can get really, really tired trying to be strong yourself. Trying to, you know, okay, let's tough it up. Let, pull her up by the bootstraps. Let, let's be a strong believer. Let, let's learn how to, to be strong in the Lord. Well, there's passages for that, but that's not this one. Paul says, look, Timothy, I am so grateful for God's grace in the life of Onesiphorus that now facing execution... I am strengthened in the Lord. Be strengthened in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Church family, there's some of you that that little phrase, you're just getting started on that. I want to challenge you. This is a lifelong process of discovering how God's grace is at work all around us. In the lives of people that you would never expect where he's at work in hearts where you just wouldn't guess that. God's grace at work touching you, the way people treat you, the gifts that they bring to your life, what you are receiving from him through the Holy Spirit, from him through his word, from him through the people around you. Be stronger because God knows who you are and where you live. And so, this morning, how do we become stronger? Three simple little things that I want to pass on. First of all, check your heart. Am I living in that pity party? And I, I want to assure you, hey, there's somebody else who was there with you, before you, Paul. You know, it was hard. He was not happy, the fact that the Asians had deserted him. But check your heart, and then, not only checking your heart, ask, what am I seeing and then I want to challenge all, I want to challenge myself. Do I believe the fact that God's grace is at work in me and around me in a way to draw me to Him? And if I believe that, am I asking God to show it to me? That's the second thing. Ask God to give you eyes to see where He's at work in your life, to see where He's at work in His Word, to see where He's at work 
in your family, to see where he's at work around you, where you may not think it's there. And then finally, be thankful. You know, Paul's, he demonstrates it. I mean, this is pure leadership right here. He is defining reality. He's showing us what the truth is of how he's looking at life. And he says, you know, I'm grateful to God. Not only am I grateful, I pray that God would bless this man that he used in my life. You know, if we get our eyes off of ourselves and we get our eyes outside of ourselves to see what God's up to around us, I think we'll have richer and fuller lives. And we as a church will reflect him. And so today, as we get started on these life lessons, the first life lesson that I think Paul wants us to catch is we need to be a community of faith that are strengthened, made strong by him and his grace poured out. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you this morning for the life of Paul, a man who's in prison, a man who is just imagining what he could be facing with his execution that did happen. But Father, I thank you for the reality of the way he looks at life, and I pray that you would help us in our world where we live capture what you're wanting us to discover of the working power of your grace. We thank you for the time of worship today of being together as your people, of celebrating your table. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. And so, church, one of the things that I like to tell the body of Christ when we leave is, church, go be the church. I'll talk more about that later.